Evidence and Answers. Muslims believe that Jesus is a prophet, but not the divine Son of God. Many wonder if Jesus was God, why did he not clearly state that he was? Many Muslims believe that Jesus never claimed to be God incarnate. This was a later invention of his early followers. Is this true? Did Jesus understand himself to be the divine Son of God? Did he state that he was the divine Son of God? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics. The defense of the Christian faith. Skeptics, Muslims, and cult groups claim Jesus never understood himself, nor did he claim to be the divine Son of God. Join Pat today as he answers these challenges. Let's join Pat now as he explains the true identity and self-understanding of Jesus. He still had one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him saying, they will respect my son. Jesus here in this parable shows that the son is distinct from all the other servants. The servants who went are the prophets to Israel and Jesus thought of himself and taught himself as God's only son, as distinct from the other prophets, distinct from the other servants. He was the vineyard owner's only son, distinct from the other servants. And Jesus was showing the distinction here. He is distinct from the prophets. He is God's one and only son. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus makes this phrase. He says, no one knows the son except the Father. Jesus saw himself as the only Son of God and the only revelation of God the Father to mankind. Jesus taught as God's unique Son, he had the exclusive authority to reveal the Father to men as no one else could. So here Jesus is using the title Son of God, declaring himself to be the Son, the one and only the unique son in the order, having the very nature of God, coming to reveal God to mankind. So Jesus uses the title Son of God, but one of his most popular titles is also the Son of Man. And this title is used 84 times in the four Gospels, but only by Jesus and only to speak of himself. Now, by using the title the definite article, the, the Son of Man, Jesus was directing attention to the divine human figure prophesied in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, in this vision, Daniel says, I saw one like a son of man who came to the ancient of days and was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom. Now, in this prophecy or in this vision that Daniel has, it's striking that this son of man came with the clouds of heaven. So he is of heavenly origin. He was also given an eternal rule over the whole world, an eternal rule over all creation. That's the dominion and glory that belong to God alone. And the high priest did not miss the point of this passage. When Jesus said in Matthew 26, when he was on trial, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God and coming with the clouds of heaven. 
The Pharisees and the high priests understood Jesus was quoting indeed Daniel chapter 7. The reference to Daniel 7 verses 13 and 14 was unmistakable. And the high priest and his council knew that Jesus was claiming to be the eternal world ruler of heavenly origin spoken of in Daniel's vision. That's why they immediately replied and said he has uttered blasphemy. He deserves death. Here Jesus makes an explicit and strong claim to the eternal world rule that were earlier hinted at in his frequent use of the title, the Son of Man, which he applied to himself. Another title that Jesus used of himself is Lord. Matthew 22, verse 44, Jesus quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, where it states, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I put your enemies under your feet. Now, the force of this statement is that God the Father said to God the Son, David's Lord, Sit at my right hand. The Pharisees know he is talking about himself and identifying himself as the one worthy of the Old Testament title Kurios or Lord. Another title that Jesus used of himself is I Am. Remember when God visited Moses at the burning bush and Moses asked the Lord, What is your name? The Lord replied, I Am. Now, when Jesus told his Jewish opponents in John chapter 8 that Abraham had seen Christ's day, they challenged him and said, You're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus responded, declaring his eternal origin. He says, Before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus said, I am, he was repeating the very words God used when he identified himself to Moses in Exodus 3.14, when God said, I am who I am. Jesus was claiming for himself the title of I am, by which God designates himself as the eternal existing one, the God who is the source of his own existence because he's eternal. He has no beginning. He was not created and who always has been and always will be. Jesus is using that title of himself. Now, when the Jews heard this unusual, emphatic, and solemn statement, they knew that he was claiming to be God. That is why they responded as they did. They took up stones to throw at him. But it says Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. There's really only four reasons in the Jewish law that you can stone someone. First is necromancy for trying to communicate with the dead. Well, Jesus wasn't doing that. For rape, something Jesus was not guilty of here, obviously. For being a very disobedient and rebellious son. Oh, Jesus is in his 30s by now. The final one in which you could stone someone is for blasphemy. And that's what they wanted to stone Jesus for because he was claiming to be the divine son of God. Finally, the deity of Christ can be seen in the images, in the parables that Jesus used of himself. The images that Jesus used are used of God in the Old Testament that Jesus used to designate of himself in these parables. And the reason Jesus uses those same figures of speech in the Old Testament of God he uses of himself is because he is indeed 
equal in nature to God, the divine Son of God. For example, the famous parable of the sower and the seeds in Matthew 13. Well, in Numbers 24, in Psalm 80, in Psalm 104, in Jeremiah chapter 2 and 11 and 17, and in other places in the Old Testament, God is the sower in the Old Testament. Jesus in the New Testament tells the parable of being the Lord of the harvest. Jesus says he's the Lord of the harvest in Matthew 13. Well, the Lord of the harvest in the Old Testament, Isaiah 27, Jeremiah 51, Hosea chapter 2, Joel chapter 3, is God himself in the Old Testament. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. Well, in Psalm 23, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. That title, shepherd, is used of God in the Old Testament. Jesus uses of himself in John chapter 10. In Mark chapter 2, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus gives himself the title, the bridegroom, and the church is his bride. Well, in Isaiah 49, Isaiah 54, Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah 3, Ezekiel 16, God is the bridegroom, and Israel is his bride. In Matthew chapter 7, Luke chapter 6, Jesus declares himself to be the rock. Well, in Psalm 19, Psalm 28, Psalm 42, Psalm 61, and other places, God is the rock. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is the one who gives forgiveness. And in Exodus 32, Leviticus 4, Deuteronomy 21, it is God who is the giver of forgiveness. So Jesus in the parables, uses images and titles from the Old Testament that are used of God himself. Those images and those titles, Jesus uses of himself in the parables. So even in the parables, Jesus is using the images and titles that belong to God in the Old Testament. And the reason Jesus does is because he is indeed God incarnate, the divine Son of God. That's why he uses those same images that are used of God in the Old Testament. So in numerous ways, in the titles Jesus used of himself, in the images used of the parables, Jesus was claiming and declaring himself to be the divine Son of God. And Jesus also claimed to be God in several ways. In John 10, verse 30 through 33, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Now, the neuter form of one rules out the meaning that he and the Father are one in are one person, are one and the same person. That is the heresy of modalism. Remember, the Trinity teaches there is one God revealed in three distinct persons. So the Son is distinct from the Father. They're one in nature, but three in person. Now, it means that they are in perfect unity in natures and actions. And this could only be true if Jesus was indeed of the same nature as God the Father. And the people who heard this claim clearly understood what Jesus was saying. Because they took up stones to stone Jesus, and Jesus asked them, For what good works from the Father are you stoning me for? And the Jews answered him, saying, It's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. They understood he was claiming to be the unique divine Son of God. Jesus also understood himself and declared himself to be the divine Son of God 
and the authority that he claimed. He claimed authority that belongs to God alone. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the great Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the greatest teachings ever uttered by anyone who had set foot upon this earth, Jesus repeatedly says this phrase, You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And he repeats this phrase over and over again before he begins his next set of teachings. In other words, Jesus was assuming authority over the law. You have heard that it was said, but I'm going to say to you in that Jesus was demonstrating his authority over the law. Jesus claimed to be able to forgive people of their sins. He forgives sins eternally. Man may uh, do that temporarily, and, and it's only sins directed at you, but Christ grants eternal forgiveness for sins of all of mankind. In Mark chapter 2, when the men were bringing in a man on a stretcher, there was no room, so they went on the roof, and you know the story. They lowered their friend on the stretcher, and as Jesus saw the man being lowered, he looked at the man and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of law who were in that room saying, This man is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus understood their thoughts. And Jesus understood he indeed was claiming the authority that alone belongs to God. Only God can forgive sins eternally. Jesus, knowing that, looks at them and says, So that you may know I have authority to forgive sins. I'm going to do a physical miracle that you can see. I'm going to raise this man up from his sickness and he's going to walk so you may know that I have authority to forgive sins. I'm going to do a miracle which you can see. And he does so. In John chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus claims that he has the authority to give spiritual life to whom he ever wishes, an authority that only belongs to God. In John chapter 11, Jesus says that he has the authority to give life and raise the dead, the authority of resurrection to life, which belongs only to God. In John chapter 5, Jesus says that he will be the judge of all people. The right to judge people's eternal destiny belongs to God alone. And Jesus claims glory and eternality. That alone belongs to God. In John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus prays the prayer before his final hour. And he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus claims the glory that belongs to God and God alone from eternity past. And the interesting verse is Isaiah 42, verse 8. God says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor praise to carved idols. God says, I share my glory with no one else. Yet Jesus states here in John chapter 17, verse 5, that he shares in God's glory from eternity past, glory that belongs only to the Lord. Jesus shared in his glory from eternity past. In all these ways, Jesus understood himself to be the divine Son of God and was declaring himself to be the divine Son of God. Jesus understood himself to be the unique divine Son of God. Jesus claimed it and Jesus confirmed it in his 
sinless, miraculous life, death, and resurrection, he confirmed his claims to be the unique and divine Son of God. Jesus' message was preached by the apostles. John, in the very first verse of John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John's opening thesis, and John's conclusion ends in chapter 20, verse 28, when Thomas sees the resurrected Lord, and he says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. So the opening thesis of John's gospel is 1-1, the word was God, and the conclusion is found in Thomas's declaration, my Lord and my God. In Colossians 1.19, Paul states of Christ, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul speaks of the incarnation, and he says, have this Mine among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who although he was in the form or in the nature of God, did not count equality with God thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Christ, who was in very nature God, took on the form of man and became a servant. Titus 2.13, which represents one of the strongest passages Defending the deity of Christ. Paul writes this, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is called our God and our Savior. So Jesus declared himself to be the divine Son of God. Jesus confirmed his claims through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. And the apostles preached it from the very beginning. These were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. And these men from the very beginning of their ministry declared him to be the divine son of God and preached that message from the very beginning. It was not a later invention that came centuries later, as some would allege by the emperor Constantine in the 4th century AD. No, Jesus taught it, and the apostles understood it, and from the very beginning, they wrote and taught that Jesus Christ was indeed the unique, divine Son of God. And if there is any question about it, even the pagans understood that the Christians from the very beginning believed that Jesus Christ was the divine Son of God. Pliny, writing to the Emperor Trajan, in 112 AD concerned that the temples in his city were no longer being used as many were coming to Christ. These temples were empty and valuable income for the city was lost. He's writing to the emperor asking what to do about these Christians. And he says this, these Christians were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang an anthem to Christ as God. So even Pliny the Younger here understands or understood that the Christians worshipped Christ and understood Jesus to be the divine Son of God. Now, another non-Christian reference is Celsus 
a second-century critic. He was a critic of Christianity, and he wrote criticizing the Christians, saying this, Now, if the Christians worshipped only one God, they might have reason on their side. But as a matter of fact, they worship a man who appeared only recently. They do not consider what they are doing a breach of monotheism. Rather, they think it perfectly consistent to worship the great God and to worship his servant as God. And their worship of this Jesus is the more outrageous because they refuse to listen to any talk about God, the Father of all, unless it includes some reference to Jesus. So here Celsus, a critic of these Christians, he understood that the Christians worship Jesus Christ as the divine Son of God. So Christ declared himself to be the divine Son of God. He confirmed it through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. The disciples taught it from the very beginning. And even the pagan world understood that the Christians were teaching and believed Jesus Christ to be the divine Son of God. Now, there is a question here. It says, well, why wasn't Jesus more obvious? Why didn't he just make it plain, in plain words, that he was indeed God? Why wasn't Jesus more obvious about that? Well, there's several reasons for this. First, Jesus did not want the Jews to misunderstand the purpose of his first coming, which was to die for the sins of the world. One of the things the Jews did not understand is that there were two comings of the Messiah. What they were looking for was a conquering king who would overthrow their enemies and bring in his everlasting rule. That's what they were looking for. Now, they were confused about the passages in which the Messiah would also be a suffering servant and also a high priest. And how they put those two together, they were not clear on. In fact, some writings from the Dead Sea Scrolls show that the Jews believed in two messiahs who would come at the same time. One would be a priest and one would be a king. And so there was some confusion as to the Messiah, but they didn't understand. There's not two messiahs. There's two comings of the Messiah. And Jesus did not want them to make the mistake for the purpose of his first coming, which would be to die for the sins of the world. Second, he did not want them to misunderstand that he was not saying he is the father. Jesus didn't want them to think he was saying, I am the father. Jesus wanted to make clear he was distinct from the father. He was God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And finally, he wanted them in his first coming to freely receive him as their king. He offered the kingdom to the Jews and they rejected him as their king. He wanted people to freely receive him as king because the second time he comes, he is coming in all his glory and as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 in the book of Revelation, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There'll be no choice at that time. You must recognize him as the Lord of glory. So in this brief study together, I hope I've demonstrated that Jesus understood himself and claimed to be the divine son of God through the titles he used of himself of the authority that he claimed, of the figures he used in the parables. Jesus claimed to be the divine Son of God, and he confirmed it 
Through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection, the apostles preached it from the very beginning. Even the pagan world understood what the Christians believed regarding Jesus, that he was the divine Son of God, that this was not a later invention of later Christianity centuries later, but this was indeed something Jesus claimed and taught from the very beginning, that he was indeed the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And in Jesus Christ, we have the unique, one and only, divine Son of God, God who came to earth, who died upon the cross for our sins, that by believing in him, we may have everlasting and eternal life. This concludes Pat's message on the self-understanding of Jesus. I'm sure you found this teaching on this important doctrine valuable. If you would like to listen to this message again, along with other messages from Pat, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by this show, please support Pat in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us again next week as Pat continues to present evidence for faith and answers to tough questions about our Lord Jesus Christ. Evidence and Answers Radio Show is brought to you by our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, please visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again here next week or on the web for more evidence and answers.